Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. Thank you, team. Sure appreciate that. Well, good morning, everyone. Sure good to see you on this beautiful Lord's Day. And it is, right? Beautiful Lord's Day. We're glad you're here this morning to worship with us. If you are visiting for the very first time here at the Open Bible Baptist Church, we'd like to welcome you and let you know that you're amongst friends. And uh, at the end of the service, you're probably going to be asked to fill out one of our connection cards. Don't get nervous. You know, sometimes you don't like to give our names or make commitments. Uh, the best we can do for you, at least pray for you, right? So if you're visiting with us, we'd like to know that you're with us. And we keep a record of all our attenders. And then um, during the course, uh, course of the week, the staff gets together and we'll pray for you. I promise we'll pray for you. And we all need prayer. Isn't that right? Yeah. Well, amen. Did you bring your Bible to church this morning? Yeah. Good. Open up your Bible to the book of Psalms and uh, Psalm 55. Now, I'm, can I get comfortable? I know you know. Say, what, what, what's he, what's he going to do now? I'm just going to take this jacket off. For some reason, it's a little warm up here, and uh, I just feel better when I'm comfortable. How about you? You okay with that? Did I just commit a sin? Well, if I did, you'll have to forgive me because I is the pastor. Amen. And uh, wow, how about that? You remembered. <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm at these days. I'm all over the place. You know, we're still in Florida. And uh, having a good time there. Thank you for praying for us. Uh, two weeks ago, I guess, the Sunday before Easter, I uh, was able to share uh, with our church there what the Lord was doing in our hearts and in our lives. And, and it, was, um, it was okay. You know, it was a tough day. Uh, in fact, the church had to console me. You know, I was probably struggling more than anybody, you know. But uh, it went well, and it's going well. I want you to continue to pray, please, for Bible Baptist Church. Uh, just great people there. Love those people. And uh, they're going to have a hard time, you know, finding a new pastor. Um, simply because everybody, everybody wants to go to Florida. <laughs> Except for those of you who can't. <laughs> and so uh, preachers line up for opportunities uh, churches like Bible Baptist, it's a big church and in Florida, you know, and so uh, we're going to have to pick through uh, some resumes and get the right guy, but you know, he has the right person set aside, right? Amen? Oh, amen. Look here at this text of Scripture. Now, this morning I'm going to be rather pastoral. Is that okay? I'll be pastoral. You never know what you might get. I say that, but who knows where this is going to go. Uh, but I aim to be pastoral and just to be an encouragement uh, to the church today. This past Thursday, uh, we had a memorial service here. In fact, a celebration, a life service for uh, Brother Mike Holm. And uh, he, Mike, uh, from what I understand, is a member of this church for a long, long time. 
And, um, you know, when somebody dies in the Lord, I love Revelation 14, 13, where it says, there are works to follow them. So Mike will never be forgotten. Is Miss Debbie here today? Debbie, are you here? She is. And so I uh, want you to know that, right, Debbie? Mike, Mike will never be forgotten here at Open Bible. And uh, we'll see him. We'll see him everywhere. You know, his touch is everywhere. And uh, I know Bob Smith will see him on the golf course. And so, right? And so, but um, it's been a tough week. It's not easy to say farewell to somebody that you love and you knew for a lot of years, right? So I want to be an encouragement to the church this morning. Join me in Psalm 55. I'll let you be seated. You've been up and down enough. You're making me dizzy. Look at verse 1. And the Bible says, as for me. Now, that's a pretty good place to start. I want you to say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. As for me. As for me. Did you come to church this morning for you? Or for somebody else? I hope, you came, I hope you came for you. I hope you came to worship God, learn of God, enjoy God. What's that? I'm sorry, verse, verse 16. Psalm 55, verse 16. Thank you today. You got me so excited, I just couldn't wait to get into it. Amen. Uh, as for me, you see it? Let me start all over again. As for me. So who'd you come to church for this morning? Amen. Amen. So it, it, it's got to be a personal thing, right? And let's just be honest. There are sometimes uh, we get drugged to church. Huh? I remember pastoring in Pennsylvania in uh, January, February, and March. Some of the darkest days of my life. It's dark at 4.30 in the afternoon. Right? Come on, get with the program. And, um, and I would say to my wife, I'm not gone tonight, Sunday night. I'm not gone. And she said, you're gone. And I said, I'm not gone. And she said, you're gone. I said, give me at least one good reason why I need to go. She said, because you're the pastor. You need to go. And so there are them Sunday nights, man, right, where you just got to drag yourself in. But isn't it true that once you get there, everything changes? Once you get there, you're just so glad you got there, you know, for the most part. So the psalmist said this, as for me, and so he's taking this personal. Here's what he said, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall, this is the best part, hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. Now he's that statement kind of draws our attention backward because he's speaking about some of the things that have befallen him. We'll get to that in just a moment. Verse number 19, he, he said, God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, Selah. You know what that word Selah means? It means you ought to give some, you ought to stop, pause, and give some attention to what's being said here. It's kind of like don't rush through this because this is really significant contemplate, slow down a little bit. And so Selah, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. Now this is, man, I can get in and give you some commentary there, but it'll take forever. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Now look at verse 22. You know this Bible verse. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, 
and he shall sustain thee, he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Isn't that a great Bible verse? Look at it again. Let's read it together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. Isn't that good? Now, I want you to turn to somebody today, either next to you, front of you, behind you, and say, that's for me. Go ahead, say it. That's for me. That's for me. That's for me. Did you find somebody? That's for me. That's for me. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we ask you to please touch the remainder of this service. We aim to worship you now in spirit and truth and pray that you'll work in every mind, every heart, every life. Draw us to a good place. Help us to make good, solid decisions before this service is over to just draw closer to you. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever taken notice to the cycles of life? Did you, ever hear, did you ever hear reference to the cycles of life? You know, life is rather circular, right? And, and what I mean by, by that is this. There, there, are, there are good times, and then there are some not-so-good times. Isn't that right? Uh, there's ups, and of course, there's downs. There's times when, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're on the mountaintop, and then there's some times when we find ourselves in a, in a deep valley, right? Right? Uh, People are born, people, are, people die every day. Uh, some clouds contain rain and some clouds don't. It's called the cycles of life, and the cycles of life uh, affects everybody. It affects every one of us. Uh, for example, there are, uh, there are happy times and there are sad times. There are joyful times and there are difficult times. There are times of understanding and then there are times of confusion. You ever been confused? You look rather confused right now. You know, that, that's, just, that's just life. Uh, there's times when we are fit to stand firm, and then there's those times when we just want to run and hide. Is this an amen say, saying church or what? Did you hear what I just said? There are those times when we just want to run and hide. Do you ever feel like that? It's okay. You can be honest. You're in church. Sure there are. Uh, and, and, and see, that's just the cycle of life, you know? And the longer you live, the more, you know, the more life just circles back. Do you ever realize this? Do you ever realize this, that there are times when, for example, there are some people that have a, a hard time around holidays. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you know somebody who has a hard time around the holidays? Christmas, for one, right? You know, Christmas isn't a happy time for everybody. Sometimes, at, at, you know, we can go back maybe before salvation, or maybe a hard time in life, and the holidays just were not pleasant. But then, of course, you got saved, and man, you know, the Lord came into your life, and things are changing, things are a little bit different. Uh, but it seems like every time Christmas comes around, there's just a little something there you can't put your finger on. How many know what I'm talking about? It's the cycles of life. The cycles of life, you know? And, and I can give you some help for that in another message because I think every once in a while we need to be reminded that whatever happened at one point in time in our life that was a difficult time or a bad circumstance has the tendency to come back and visit us or revisit us. 
and we find ourselves to be melancholy or overwhelmed by something in life, and right now everything seems to be going well, why am I feeling that way? Well, because something happened way back, way back that's resurfacing that you maybe never dealt with. It's called the cycles of life. Uh, and by the way, we're not the only ones who have dealt with the cycles of life. Uh, Bible characters have dealt with and deal with the cycles of life. And we have good evidence of that. Several years ago, a thought captured my attention. Did you ever sing that song, It Is Well With My Soul? Isn't that a great song? It's a great hymn. It is well with my soul. But do you realize this? Before, before the composer, by the way, who was a fellow named Spafford, right? Horatio Spafford. Do you know his story? You know why he wrote it as well with my soul? If you found out the story, you'd really appreciate the song. But here's what he said. Uh, before he got to that place where he said, it is well with my soul, you know what the first phrase, the phrase before that is? Thou hast taught me to say. Right? Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Right? You'll never be able to sing, it is well with my soul, without first saying, whatever, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. Thou hast taught me to say. And, and, and the key phrase is, taught me to say. And why is that? Here, here's why. Here's the whole thought of the message this morning. It is well is a destination we arrive at, not a place of origin. Yeah, I'll let that sink in for a second. Think about it. It is well, you and I being able to say, it is well with my soul, is a destination we arrive at, not a place of origin. Most of us, when tough times come, when difficulties come, when circumstances go south, don't immediately say, that's okay, it's all good, I trust God, this will come to pass. Now, if, if that's you, God bless your pea-picking soul. Because that's not me. In fact, it wasn't the psalmist. I want you to notice the knee-jerk reaction of David when difficulties came upon him. Look in chapter 55 again, and look at verse number 6. I said, David said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I, I would fly away and be at rest. Are you with me? Uh, we would have to go back to chapter number 54, the 54th Psalm, to pick up the context, but I promise you this, if you studied it out, in chapter number 54, the psalmist was being betrayed by friends. That's, that's tough, isn't it? When friends or family turn against you, that's a difficult thing. That's got no bearing on where we're at, where we're at in the service this morning. I'm just giving commentary on the psalmist. And so he's gone through a difficult time, and his knee-jerk reaction, do you have a knee-jerk reaction? Huh? How many of you know what that is? That's not a Florida thing. It's a, it's a human thing. A knee-jerk reaction. It's the way you, you know, your first response, Right? I've been around some people, and their first response is, boy, we better pray. And then others, the first response is, oh, my, what are we going to do now? All right, let me take the pressure off. My knee-jerk reaction is, what are we going to do now? I get to the place where I say, we better pray. Come on, all you spiritual people, get with me, please. Huh? I eventually get there. 
I know where I'm going to go, huh? But my knee-jerk reaction is, oh, man, why me? Why now? Oh, no. Huh? And I'm in pretty good company, brother preacher, because the psalmist said this when he considered all that he was going through. He said, if I, can ju- if I just had wings, I'd fly away. Or in other words, he is saying this, there's some days when I just want to pull the covers up over my head. There's some days I don't want to get out of bed. There's some days I just want to isolate. There's some days I just want to medicate. Looking for all the medicators. Are you with me? Look here, let's make this real. David was a real guy. And he's going through a difficult time in his life. And his knee-jerk reaction is, oh God. God in heaven, I know this shall come to pass, just like everything else's. No, his knee-jerk reaction was, kill them. Huh? Give them a taste of their own medicine. If I had wings like a dove, I'd just fly away. Are you with me? Huh? And so, I think this, I think saying it is well is a destination we arrive at Mm, but it's not a place of origin. And I hope I helped somebody this morning. Huh? Because something's going to come into your life guaranteed that's going to take you back. It's going to knock the wind out of your sails. It's going to cause you to take a deep breath. It might even mm, shake you a little bit. And inside, you may not let anybody else know, but on the inside, you might say, man alive, why now? Why me? I just need to get away. I don't want to face this. Come on already. Now, on the outside, you put on that big smile and you just say, well, God's got this. But deep down in your heart, you might feel like the psalmist and say, man alive, I just like to run now. I just want to hide right now. Huh? Thou hast taught me to say. Uh, In David's case, he was able to turn his persecution into prayer. That's amazing, isn't it? He didn't, it didn't end in verse number six, oh, uh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be, that's not where he ends. He ends in verse 22, where he says, cast thy burden upon the Lord, he shall sustain thee, he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. I want you to say this, you ready? One, two, three, I shall not be moved. Here we go. One, two, three, I shall not be moved. But you can only say that if you have an exercised faith. Are you with me? So what was it, what was it that David learned? What was it that got David from his knee-jerk reaction, which was, I want to just kind of hide or run away, to where he's saying, I shall not be moved. And if we read between the lines, are you with me? If we read between the lines, there's a lesson to be learned, and I want to give you that lesson uh, this morning in just a few moments. I want you to notice what David realized. First of all, he realized this. You guys are getting ahead of me. Don't ever give them the secrets to the message. They'll stop paying attention. (laughs) Here's the first thing David realized. Get this. God sees where you are. See, that that would have been a bigger amen if you hadn't put that up on the screen prior. Right? But think about it for a second. Think about it. Look here. we got some young people in this room. I guarantee you this. The longer you live, you're going to face something. You're going to face something. 
huh? Uh, here's, here's my sister sitting back here, and I won't refer to you much, Miss Debbie, uh, but we prayed for you much this past week, right, church? She didn't, she didn't expect that. From everything I understood, Mike was a pretty healthy person until he wasn't. And that's the way life is sometimes, right? There's no warnings. Aren't you glad there's not? Look here, if I knew what tomorrow was going to bring, I wouldn't wake up. Huh? You know, I, yeah, right? So, uh, so life is just, it's fluid. It just happens. And we are going to find ourselves at one point or another in a situation where we feel like that psalmist. Man, alive. Right? But here's what he came to realize. He came to realize that God sees where you are. Look at that text again in uh, chapter 55. Look at verse number 6, uh, verse 7. He said, Lo, when I would, when I would wander afar off, afar, far off and remain in the world. See, here, here's what he, see, look, look here. He, David's speaking about his soul. In his soul, he feels like he's in a wilderness. God knows exactly where you are. Look here. Think about this for a second. He knows the circumstances you're facing right now. At the, every, at the end of everything I'm, I'm, I'm about to say, I'm going to say this, and that should be enough. Think about that. Say it with me. And that should be enough. Say it. And that should be enough. And that should be, one more time, and that should be enough. One more time. And that should be enough. God knows the circumstances you're facing today. That wasn't real good. Look here. God knows the people you're struggling with. Let's walk it back for a second. We went too fast. God knows, God sees the circumstances that you're going through right now. One more time. He knows the people you're struggling with. But is it? Huh? I'll never believe you if you told me, preacher, I've never had an adverse circumstance. I'd never believe you. I'd never believe you if you told me, preacher, I've never really struggled with anybody. Look here, God sees when your back is against the wall. And that should be enough. So what did the psalmist realize that caused him to go from wanting to uh, fly away to saying, man, I'm just going to stand firm? I tell you what he realized, first and foremost, he realized that God sees where you are. He knows exactly where you and I are today. He knows where we're at. Huh? I think this, now pay attention here, I think sometimes he wants to make sure that we know where we are. Help me now. Uh, come on, class. Do you know where you're at this morning in the Lord? In fact, I think sometimes he lets this stuff come into our life to stir us up, to make sure we come to realize or ask ourselves, am I where I'm supposed to be? I know this. I think when I, the very first Sunday I preached here in February, I know I did a little, a, a, a little uh, illustration here about, about how to get from here to there. You remember that? 
And the important thing was this, you, you got to know where you are in relation to where you should be, right? And so every once in a while, I think this, I think God allows something to come into our lives just to stir us up and that we might ask ourselves, well, where am I in relation to where I should be? And let me ask you this morning, are you where God would have you to be right now? I don't mean physically because you're in the best place you could be if you're a member of Open Bible Baptist Church. But how about spiritually? How about spiritually? Have you taken the steps of obedience that leads to growth? Have you found out what your spiritual gift is and then cultivated it so you can use it and be a blessing to God's church? Are you with me? And so every once in a while, you know, something comes into our life. Did anybody, anybody ever do this to you? Anybody, for example, you're sitting in church, right? And there's times, there's times you're sitting in church and somebody wants to get your attention, right? Maybe it's your spouse or a close friend, you know, maybe TJ, you're trying to get uh, Cherie's attention. So you don't say, hey, Cherie, you know, you just maybe, did you ever do that? What you're trying to do, you're very, you're trying to get somebody's attention. You're trying to be inconspicuous. You, won't, you don't want to draw attention. Psst. Say it. <laughs> Got to make sure you're with him. You know what that does? Here, here, look here. Every once in a while, God is trying to get our attention. Because life, uh, life has a tendency to distract you. Right or wrong? And so God will come along and say, Psst. See, how does he do that? A little circumstance here, a little something, something there. Not a big deal, right? And if you're, if you're wise, if you're a real obedient child of God, you hear his voice. My sheep. Huh? As you can tell, this little bit of affliction, it's God. But here, here's the truth. If by chance, Cherie doesn't hear TJ say, he might have to give her an elbow. I don't like when God elbows me. I rather, I rather be, and yes, Lord, what it is? What, what, what is it? What do you want me to do? Huh? And so every once in a while, you go through what David goes through. Uh, you're struggling with somebody. And by the way, you know, God has a way. God has thorny people. Not everybody is beautiful like you. Some are thorns like me. And you know what thorns do? Man, they just irritate you. And every once in a while, God's got to irritate us out of our slumber. I'm trying to help the church this morning. I'm not even preaching. I'm just sharing. Who said that? God bless you. I know what you're thinking. I thought Baptist preachers don't share. We don't share food. We don't share love offerings. But we share truth. And so, and so every once in a while, you know, God will just allow something to come our way just so that we might know where we are in relation to where we should be. But, you know, I think in David's case as well, it was also God wanted David to realize where he was. And sometimes life, circumstances, people can get in the way and we really can't see God. Help me here. Hmm? 
You get that diagnosis, you get that, and man, all of a sudden, you know, you're overwhelmed by what the doctor said or what the attorney said or what your spouse said or what just happened at school with your kids, and you forget that he's right there, you know? So, uh, how, how can we say, it is well with my soul? David came to this place. He didn't start there. He came to this place by first recognizing the fact that God sees where you are. Can I add to it? Think about this. God knows how you feel. <laughs> he not only sees where, you're, where you are, but he knows how you feel, right? How many of us would say, Pastor, I tell you what, I've never had a bad day in my life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and nobody looks around. Never had a bad day in my life. I'm always on the top of it. I mean, I wake up in the morning, and instead of saying, you know, Lord, it's morning, I say, good morning, Lord. And I'm just ready to go. I mean, I, my batteries are charged. I'm raring to go. Well, if that's you, God bless you. Would you teach me how you do that? Amen. There are many mornings I need, a, I need to be resurrected. I don't want to get out of bed. And as soon as, I, as soon as I touch my foot on the floor, something hurts that I didn't even know I had. Huh? And then I go, I go to my church office where all those wonderful, godly church members are. And I'm baptized into somebody else's chaos. Hello? And on the inside, I'm saying, <laughs> why me? On the outside, I'm saying, well, let's pray now. And I'm just glad that I know that God knows how I feel. He knows how you feel. And it's okay. Look here. You know one of my favorite Bible passages, Joe? God remembers that we're but dust. And no matter how you dress it up, no matter how you style it, no matter how you decorate it, you're still dust. We're still dust. Now, I didn't say dirt. Dust. Huh? We're just, just take dust and whew. Hello? And as dust, as humans, man, we carry with us all the frailties, all the insecurities, Hello? Right? Let me help you. I'm trying to be your pastor today. Let me help you. It's real. It comes with us. And by the way, it's, oh, this is good. God just gave this to me. Insecurities don't only happen at the hospital. They happen at the church. Insecurities are in the pew. Oh, yeah. Insecurities rise up when Pastor Yanizzi says, Nathan, would you te teach that class? And I don't ask, what's your name? Nick. Nick. And I don't ask Nick. Nick says, why didn't he ask me? Nick didn't think that I prayed about it and I have a reason for it. Nick's just insecure, wondering, he doesn't like me. Oh, swallow real hard. It'll go down. There's a whole lot of that in church. Why, why, didn't, why, didn't you, why didn't you ask me to sing that song? Why didn't you ask her to sing that song? I got a good voice. By the way, I do get upset that nobody ever asked me to sing. Are you listening real good? Look here, God knows all about that. You don't think he knows us. He knows 
He knows all about the uprising. He knows all of it. He knows how you feel. And it's okay. Because we carry with us this flesh. Just don't make room for it. Oh, you missed that. Don't make room for it. You carry the flesh with you, but don't make room for it. Don't excuse it. Huh? Well, you know what? You didn't ask me to preach. Just, just the way I am. I got to give you peace of mind. You better hold on to that peace of mind, Nick. You, got, you don't have much left. You've given everybody a peace of mind. There's not much left. Right? God sees it. In fact, it was David who reminds that God's a very present help in time of trouble. <laughs> Amen. And then, uh, if you've got quick fingers, I'm, I'm already there. Isaiah says this to the children of Israel. Isaiah 54, verse 11. Listen to these words. He says this, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and, and not comforted, behold, I will lay stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires. Now, this is God speaking to the children of Israel. Isaiah 54, verse 11. Verse 12, and I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones. Listen to this one, verse 13. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness shall they be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come nigh thee. Isn't this wonderful? This is God speaking to faithless uh, Israel. Of course, it's future. Verse 15, behold, they shall uh, surely gather together, uh, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Isn't that good? Whoever it is that rises up against you, uh, they're not of me. By the way, when someone rises up against you, especially in this realm, it's not of God. Uh, and the Bible says, take care of it. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 16. Behold, I've created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the washer, uh, the waster to, to destroy. But verse 17 is key. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Isn't that good? And so, uh, listen, here, here's what he said. He's saying to Israel, count your blessings. Count your blessings. He said, uh, I will comfort the afflicted. I'll save your children. Uh, he told not to fear, for he would establish them. And then he told them that he would protect them. And by the way, the Israelites were in captivity when he's speaking this. And God knew how they felt. God understands our, our situation far better than we do. It is well with my soul. Oh, man, that's a destination, not a place of origin. And how you get there, you, you realize what David realized. God, God sees where you are, and he knows how you feel. Can I give you one final thing in closing? Listen carefully. God hears when you call. God hears when you call. Look at verse number 1, Psalm 55, verse 1. David speaking, right? David says, give ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not thyself from my supplication. You know what supplication is? You know there's a difference between supplication and, and, and intercession, right? You know, you know the difference? When you intercede, normally you're praying for somebody else. When you supplicate, you're usually praying for yourself, right? 
You, you know what I find? Before I can intercede, I need to supplicate. Before I can play, pray for you, I need, really need to pray for me. And there's some days I need more prayer than anybody. And there's nobody that can pray for me like I can pray for me. I appreciate you praying for me, but nobody can pray for me like I can pray for me because I know what I need. Right? Are you with me? So, David, David here, speaking about that, verse number, uh, I'm back to that verse, attend unto me, verse 2, attend unto me and hear me, I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. He's crying out to God. And that's a great motivator. Look here, look at verse number, verse number 9, same text, verse number 9. In fact, go, go, yeah, go, go over, jump, jump over with me and go to... Uh, Psalm 56 and verse 9. He says, when I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. Now, look at the next words. This I know. What's he know? God is for me. God is for me. That's awesome, isn't it? There's no greater encouragement to know than to know that God is, is for us. Peter said this. Peter said, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Right? Great Bible verse. Psalm 56, verse 11 may sum it all up. Go ahead and flip that verse if you would, guys. Look at verse number 11, Psalm 56, verse 11. He said, in God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Isn't that good? Whatever my lot that has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Well, preacher, how do I get there? Because right now, it, it's just not well with my soul. Y'all remember this. Remember God sees where you are. He knows how you feel, and he hears when you call. You ought to jot that in the fly, fly leaf of your Bible. You ought to never forget that prescription because it'll help. So what was it that David learned? Here's what he learned. He learned that God always does that which is right. He, he learned this. He learned that God always vindicates the righteous. Huh? We ought to let God fight for us. He vindicates the righteous. Uh, he learned this, you may be pressed but not pinned. <laughs> he learned what Horatio Spafford learned. He's the guy that wrote the song. It is well with my soul. He learned what those three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learned in that fiery furnace. He learned what Daniel learned in that den of lions. He learned what Peter learned at the empty tomb. He learned what Paul learned in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, where the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Ultimately, now get this, he learned to trust God. He learned to trust God. Let me ask you this, I'm, I'm closing. Am I supposed to close right? You got a big enough clock up there for me to see, Brother Tyler. What time do we close? 10 till? Oh, man, well, I'm not closing. I've got 10 minutes. Let me ask you this question, and I'm, I'm wrapping it up. Can you trust what you believe? Careful. Careful. Think about it. Can you trust what you believe? See, we believe a lot of stuff, but do you trust it? Do you trust it? I'm not sure if you know this or not, but, and it's not, uh, it's not uh, secret, but many years ago now, 1996, Donna, 
1996, Mrs. Genizzi was, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, we, were, we were just, we were young at the time, and uh, children, young kids, and, and uh, Brother Riddell, you remember back then, our church was exploding. I mean, to tell you, it was going crazy, you know. And uh, we're pastoring in Pennsylvania. And all of a sudden, Mrs. Genizzi one day says to me, we were passing, you know, through the, through the hallway, and she kind of looked a little down, and she said, I think I, I, think I felt a lump. And, and I, I remember vividly, I said, ah, it's nothing, not my body. She knows what she felt, right? And so uh, she did what, you know, every woman, I guess, does and should do is she called the doctor and went for an examination. And lo and behold, after a mammogram and ultrasound and all that kind of stuff, they determined that, yes, it's a it's tumor. She's got cancer. Went for a biopsy, was malignant. And uh, thank the Lord, they, she, she found it early, you know, and so all they had to do was a lumpectomy and remove the lymph nodes. And, but she did have to have chemotherapy and radiation uh, after that. It was part of the, part of the plan. i never forget this. Uh, we, when, when we went for the biopsy, we had a really good sur- surgeon. Went for the biopsy. I was, I was sitting in the side room over there, and she went in. Now, I'm pastoring a church. I've been pastoring a church for a long time at that point. It was 1996. I had already been pastoring since 1998. Uh, in 1988, church was growing and things were going really well. And, and so I thought, man, I thought I had it all together, you know? And I can't tell you how many countless times I've been in that situation with other people's wives. And I'm, I got my arm around the brother saying, man, it's going to be okay. God's got this. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. But now it's my wife. And I, I never forget this. I was sitting all alone in that waiting room, and my wife, they took her back for the biopsy and whatnot, and, and the doctor, the surgeon came in and seen me before he went to see her. And he came in, and he said to me, he said, it's cancer. And I remember this, man. Uh, I melted. I just melted. I wasn't ready for that. I thought, man, God, you know it's going to be, you know, just bad. I melted. Lump in my throat that went down to my stomach. And I didn't know what to say. I honestly did not know what to say. I could counsel everybody else when they're having problems, but now it's my problem. I didn't know what to say. And so I just said, what, 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 what do we do now? He said, well, let's go talk to Donna. I said, what? You didn't tell her yet? No, let's go tell her. Oh. So I'll never forget, me and the surgeon, we walked into the room where she was, and she was in a hospital uh, bed lying there. And, uh, and the surgeon said to Donna, he said, uh, it's, it's, it's malignant, it's cancerous. And she welled up with tears a little bit. I couldn't even look at her, to tell you the truth. I was ready to pass out. And, and I'll never forget this. She said, she said to the doctor, she said, it's okay. Jesus is going to take care of it. When she said that, Brother Booker, my heart just was like, thank you for that. And the long and the short of it is, and I won't drag the story on, but she had the surgery and lymph nodes removed, and then she went through chemotherapy and radiation. I'll never forget this. I would go to the oncologist with her, and the very first time we went, he said this to her. He said, now, Donna, he says, you're going to need, we're going to need to set you up with some counseling. And, and Donna was respectful and listened to him, and at the end of it, she said, that's okay, I have Jesus. And he said, no, you don't understand, Donna. You're going to need counseling. And she said, no, doctor, you don't understand. I have Jesus. She didn't even bring me up that I was a pastor. She knew at that point I was worthless. I was just along for the ride, you know. And, uh, 
and, and, and then she just kept on saying, I'm, I'm okay. And so, no, she never had, she never had, she never had a counselor. And, and I, we were it. We just trusted God. Our church, our church at that time, I tell you what, man, just absorbed us and loved us, rallied around us and helped us through the whole process. We had, you know, young children at the time. And I said all that to say this. Now get this. And this is the reason I told you that story. I'll never forget after the fact and after she went through all she went through and we were on the other side of it, we would keep a journal. Everything God did, we journaled. You know, every answer to prayer, every kindness shown, we, we kept a journal. And at the end of it, I'll never forget, one of my church members came over and said, Preacher, you got a minute? I said, sure. And he said, I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't want to ask anything, but I'm married. And if I have to go through this, I would like some counsel. Can you share with me what God taught you through this? All the lessons were diversified and many, but there's one that stood at the top. Now listen to this. I said all that to say this. What I learned most of all is I can trust what I believe. I asked you a little bit ago, do you trust what you believe? Because there's going to come a time in your life when something's going to happen that's going to really shake what you believe, and you're going to have to say, I really trust that. In that moment in time, Brother James, I tell you, the, the greatest lesson God taught me is I can trust what I believe. Woo, what a great lesson. So let me ask you a question this morning. Have you yet learned to say it is well with my soul? Maybe, I don't know, maybe you need to keep in mind God knows where you are, God knows how you feel, and God hears when you call. You know that great song, right? Spafford wrote, the, the second verse says this, and I'm done. He said, though Satan should buffet, though trial should come. Now get this, let this blessed assurance control. We sing it so matter-of-factly that we forget the words, but here's a guy who just had his wife and daughters die in a shipwreck, right? <laughs> and he said that though Satan should buffet, and he does, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. What assurance is that? That Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Well, I'll tell you what, you keep that in mind, and it will cause you to say as well, it is well, it is well with my soul. Amen? Amen. <laughs> what shall we say to these things? The answer? Here's the answer. If God be for us, who can be against us? Ready? Here we go. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is, it is with my soul. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.